that's what I am. I'm going with the orange 100 times out of 100. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? It is another edition of the Trademark Podcast. And I got a bunch of things to get into today, so let's get right into them. First thing I wanted to do was just bring up uh, Orange Man of the Week. This is, just like me in the intro, somebody that loves the orange is an orange man. And uh, that man this week is Dion Waiters. (laughs) He... um, Overdosed on marijuana edibles on a flight to play the Lakers. <clears throat> really glad that he didn't play because the Lakers won. But also, um, this whole thing was given to him by teammates on the Miami Heat. I don't want to say this is a hilarious story, but we're getting into like <laughs> we're getting into conspiracy level Pat Riley, and I bring this up because Dion Waiters is a, a Syracuse basketball alumnus he was drafted by the cleveland cavaliers has had a very um uh colorful past in the nba uh apparently while at syracuse he told everyone on the team and in the department that they had to refer to him as kobe wade because he was half kobe bryant half Dwayne wade so that's a real statement so kobe wade Dion waiters um passed out on the flight, woke up uh, when they landed, and was um, promptly had a seizure. Now, granted, he needed medical attention. You hate to see that, all that stuff. But uh, this week, I felt like Dion Waiters because I, and the reason why I delayed all this, the reason why it's a solo show today is because, um, as my mom put it when I was growing up, and I think she still puts it to this day, instead of saying, I'm sick, she says, I'm with fever. So I am with fever this week, uh, or was, still not feeling great. If my voice sounds weird, you're going to have to deal with it. Earlier this week, I sounded like the lead singer from Blink-182, um, and it was all the small things, true cares, um, you know, so... That's why this show's late. That's why there's no guests. But it's great because it actually works out because I guessed it on Q's Militia. I had to literally pause or mute myself in between all the coughing and sneezing I had to do, runny nose. It was just, it was terrible. So um, I feel exactly like Dion Waiters and, um, and, and just feeling sick and just not being able to go. Um, <clears throat> that was me this week. And again, like you can probably hear just now, I'm not feeling great as it is in general, but, um, Dion waiters, he, the problem with Dion is that Dion's actually really good when he wants to be. And I thought he was actually a very high level scorer. I thought he could be someone like a Lou Williams if he actually applied himself. But that's the thing is that when you're an orange man like that and you overdose on edibles in the plane, that was apparently uh, given to him unbeknownst to him that that was an edible. So that's why he had so many. And to me, there's no way in the world that happens. You don't just get handed gummies by a teammate that you know is not trying to have you uh, blackballed by your team or the team president, general manager Pat Riley. I know that they've uh, Dion hasn't played a second this season. I don't know why they gave him the contract if they don't want him on the team. Because to me, I'm still a believer. I love Dion. 
get well soon, Dion. Orange Man of the Week, Dion Waiters. But, you know, credit to me for doing this show because I also <laughs> – I can't even say that seriously. Um, because I felt like him this week as well. So um, credit to both of us, actually. Credit to, credit to both of us for being Orange Men of the Week, um, for, for getting through this condition that we had. So long story short, um, Dion Waiters – Orange Man of the Week. Next, in the world of Syracuse athletics, <clears throat> on tap for today, is the win over Colgate. Fantastic win. We threw an alley-oop once. Joe Girard III, I think he's our best player right now. Um, he's the closest thing that resembles NBA style of play. After the Virginia game, I said a lot of things that couldn't be said on the podcast, so I just said them to my fiance. And I, and I said a little bit of this to uh, Q's Militia as well. And I was just thinking about how uh, Coach Beheim complained that we had to play Virginia week one as if that wasn't the whole plan the entire time. Like, how did he not know that game one was actually game one on the schedule? So Coach Beheim, you know, bringing this up, it got me thinking about um, Coach Hopkins over at UW. And I was thinking about, okay, so Coach Hopkins, he left – and since he left, I've actually seen not necessarily a subtle decline, but a decline in a way that is not necessarily resembling what people remember as Syracuse basketball and how it was. I have an idea. I think Coach Beheim should start to phase into the Queen of England, where she doesn't really do anything of, you know, that matters, but I'm sure if things kind of got hairy, she would be consulted. I kind of think that's the same way we need to start looking at Coach Beheim. We need to bring in like an offensive specialist, open the checkbook, do whatever it takes, and then from that point, that new coach that comes in, he's really the now the head coach. Coach Beheim's kind of the figurehead. Like he's the guy that goes out and shakes hands, kisses the babies does all the things that needs to be done until he passes away. And, you know, from this point, like, and like subtly more and more things get taken out of his hands. Because to me, this team and this program is going in a direction that I don't like to see where we just keep falling further and further and further down in the ACC. We don't have the big East. We don't have anything more for nostalgia. We started over when we were in the ACC and right about that time, coach Hopkins went to Washington and it was right about that time, things kept getting worse and worse and worse for us. So I propose that. I now I know that's a big shock to a lot of people's systems. And I know also people that are wanting SU football news are now hearing Dion Waiter's Orange Man of the Week. And then also hearing, my goodness, what is going on? I just got a robocall from Bank of America or something. I don't even bank with Bank of America. Anyhow, so everybody that was thinking about tuning into SU football uh, news to begin with, you're hearing all this stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's all SU related anyway, so it's okay. And long story short, that robocall was a microcosm of what the Virginia game was to this basketball team. It was like, I wasn't expecting it, but we got it anyway. And somehow that's you know an excuse to play horribly. 
the offense is still not exactly where I need to see it in order for us to actually think about winning a national championship. And if that's not the point of doing everything in college sports, then I don't know why we're even competing in the first place. Like trying to improve a little bit, that's for losers. That's for people who are okay with losing. Going for national championships, that's what this thing is all about. So, like, there is no other way to put it. So, in my opinion, there's got to be a way that you, we've got to start thinking about how this whole, you know, Coach Beheim becomes a figurehead. You know, if, if this offends you, I'm sorry. We'll start getting to my trip to Syracuse right here and right now. And this is all about SU football. So, um, first off, we, we tried to go out um, on the 30th, and our flight got canceled. So, the next day, we go out. Um, or we, we got there 31 hours later. We get the flight canceled. We get we take off about 20 hours later. Then we get to Boston at about 5 p.m., 6 p.m. land. Then we get a rental car, drive from Boston on Halloween in literally probably the most torrential downpours in human history. I'm thinking Noah's Ark was in those type of rains. I, I think that... The rains that we experienced were kind of like people, you know, they fortune tell or like something happens after those type of rains. Like, you know, people start walking away after like walking with a limp for like many years after those rains. You know, that's kind of the thing. Like um, old men with bad knees, they feel that rain before it actually happens. That's what was going like. Those are the type of rains that we had to drive through we had to like i think the car disabled at one point because of how hard it rained and they put <laughs> this guy put us in a minivan for the two of us it was a it had to have been a 10 seater in there i'm a, i wouldn't be surprised if there were an additional two wheels on that minivan that's how big it was and there was the two of us in that minivan so and it was just blowing me away and granted the guy was like, he called down to the department or, you know, the boots on the ground in the uh, uh, parking lot where all the cars are. And he goes, uh, you know, what car can we send them to Syracuse and, and drop it off? He he knew what was about to happen and he was sacrificing this minivan. I think that's what happened. That's why he made that call and he picked it up. So we now we're on to the Syracuse. We get to our Airbnb. We had to pay for that extra day that got canceled because God forbid we get there on time. God forbid I get to do anything I want. Um, Chris Velarde, who was on the show, the first episode of when I brought it back, I was supposed to meet with him on Thursday. Um, then the day that we drove out, didn't get to do that. Um, I had to delay my meeting with the Orange Club, which is the athletic booster program for Syracuse. They work in advancement, fundraising, development, and also they're now trying to incorporate uh, more privilege, not privileges, but more access and more resource to these student-athletes. And I want to talk a lot about what happened in my meeting with, um, with the Orange Club. We spoke about um, all the things that I and you know I could do for them, as far as you know, maybe even potentially working there. Um, that's not necessarily breaking news because I'm not going to you know there's is no but that was brought up. Um, but they were talking about 
you know, the, the stats that came out as far as, you know, how Syracuse basically ranks dead last as far as all the measurables in the ACC and, uh, and how they need to fix that and how their fundraising is basically in the gutter compared to even the next closest uh, place or the next closest school in the ACC. They rank Syracuse like dead last in, in almost everything. The one thing that really had it going for it was the basketball program. And they said that, oh, well, the tradition and um, the fact that they get so many fans they play in the Dome, the practice facility is really nice, yada, yada, yada. But they still, um, and I believe this report is uh, public. And I saw it on Twitter beforehand, so obviously it's public now that I think about it. So long story short, we, we see all these things and they mapped out, you know, how much they need and how much we have and how big of a difference that is. But to me, I saw, and I, and we talked about the importance of the community and what giving to the orange club is going to do. Um, and whether that's even just buying season tickets, whether that's, buying um you know extra concessions like we like everything is lumped in there and the big reason why everything is lumped in there is because like as a private university syracuse gets to make or manage their funds a little bit better than these other you know public universities do and when a, a gift is given the donor really has the opportunity to direct that cash the way that they want it to go there is a lot fewer or there are a lot fewer restrictions on what can be done with that but the biggest thing i want to talk about with with y'all or just you know kind of say what was important to me was that they're trying to enhance the life of a student athlete not on campus not where they're at right now but we're trying they're trying to whoop I'm you know I'm going to let myself in with this too because part of the reason why I'm doing this also is for me to express how important it was for me while I was a student athlete but how much support we still needed in general this isn't monetary either this is stuff for you know the young men and women that need more access to uh, mental health care psych psychology um, treatments getting better solutions for the problems that may happen uh, or that may come up also for career development, understanding better access to internships, more companies around the Northeast that are willing to partner for internships. Maybe there's a football player, a basketball player, a lacrosse player, uh, men or woman, you know, whoever this is, but they don't have the resources or a place or a donor or somebody that's willing to come alongside the program and say, hey, I know that this person really wants to be an architect. And although that there isn't, you know, an architect in Syracuse, let's say, that's willing to put up this student athlete um, with an internship, all these things matter. And I think that we, you know, the community can do a better job at delivering those. And that's going to all the alumni that are listening to this, but separately, um, alumni slash residents of the Syracuse area. You know, I brought up how much LeBron James meant to the city of Cleveland when he was drafted, when he left to go to Miami, and then came back, what the difference in numbers were for the community, and how much better things got. Just because he came back to the team, people were happier because their team was winning. 
And yes, somebody's always going to have to win. Somebody's always going to have to lose. But the community does better when they can see the efforts and they feel the community is being noticed. It's just natural. And that's the strongest thing that can happen in college athletics in general is that the community, the fans, everybody around it feels that tribal mentality because it's something different about a college because the college is unique to the city. A pro team can up and move and it's not unique to the town. It's unique to the franchise. It's unique to the NFL. So I was just blown away at what the Orange Club wants to do because I think that they have the ability to get to where they want to be. And in turn, maybe that one dollar you know, that's donated or per, per every dollar, it can 5x in the community as a ripple, ripple effect. Meaning for every dollar, it may be $2 spent at the concessions, which then helps that person that's the concession money taker get a new job, you know, and then improve their life and move up in the world. You know, who knows? You know, that can go so much further than we even know. And I, I'm just blown away because I, I just really believe in this project. And they have a high number to get to where we need to go to be able to even start on some of these changes. But it's I feel that the, the university has a commitment to this area of Syracuse. And, um, and the coolest part was is that I found out that the university has a, a commitment to me. And what I mean by that is I went and um, I saw everybody there that I could on Friday. Uh, the Friday morning, first thing was I met with the Orange Club, uh, like I was saying. And if you want to give to the Orange Club, if you feel compelled to just start having that conversation um, ripple in your life and see where you want to give back, and maybe it's not your treasure, maybe it's not your money, maybe it's your talent, maybe it's your time. I learned that from a really wise man. His name is Albert Tate. He said that not everybody has to give money in order to be impactful. Some people need to talk. Some people need to listen. Some people need to knit. Some people need to sew. Some people need to give away their time, their efforts. Other people need to receive. Others need to give. But by no means does... If you feel compelled, do you have to stand on the sideline? You can get in the game. And I think that if you want to get in the game real quick, you can go to cues.com, go to the uh, drop-down menu, look at the bottom, it says Orange Club, and then just start reading from there. It's, it's a really great cause. It's going to go to student-athletes that need career development. So when they are not even career development, I'm talking life development. So when they step on campus, they don't have to go anywhere else to get what they need. It can just be right at home. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to it's gonna develop more people like Sam Rogers who are running for state uh, Senate. It's going to develop more people that are trying to go trumpet the cause for Syracuse football, for Syracuse basketball, for Syracuse the community, so that more people can get in the game of life and have a better outcome. Because the more dollars that are spent in the area, it's a direct tie for how much better people are going to be doing at home as well. It's the economic principle, wage is equal to price. So when we're spending more, we're giving more, people are getting paid more, and people's lives start improving. 
it's it's like the coolest thing ever. Um, so I'm really excited about that um, and their efforts and moving forward and we'll see how I can help. I mean, I don't know. I'm hopefully this helps them a little bit. Hopefully this helps the listener a little bit. But um, uh, the and like I was saying, the the school in the athletic department really is the the part that has a commitment to me that I found out. Um, and I've shared this with a couple people and ma- mainly my mom and dad mom and pop as I call them I got to meet with uh my academic counselors there I got to meet you know short of a in and this is all short of a few you know plus or minus you know everybody but um basically everybody I needed to see I saw and I went back there and although I did not graduate from Syracuse University with a degree in my hand um which I do from another school, Providence Christian College, where I finished my career and played baseball. And maybe, you know, before this whole podcast comes to an end, I'll explain that time in my life, too. Um, but after visiting and seeing everybody in the athletic department, it feels like I graduated from Syracuse University, top of my class, um, as a captain of the team, everybody treated me so well. They were so happy to see me. And I talked to them about all my wants, my desires, my dreams. And, um, you know, and, you know, do you know what I can do? Do you remember me even? And they all sat there and they listened to me. They saw me, they received me, they loved me. And, and I am proud to be orange even more than I could have even thought. I went in to go see Landon Salem, who's the director of player personnel, and he does all the evaluations. Um, not all of them. Well, I'm sure he does all of them at some point, but um, he he's the guy that's always crushing tape for recruits. And um, we had one of the most fun conversations I've had in 10 years like he is probably the coolest guy that never played college football that didn't really play college football at the highest level and somehow some way I trust him just as much as the next guy football wise I mean he kept it as real as possible I got to see a little bit of uh, an evaluation on a player that they were looking at with coach Kavanaugh and Landon and um, and I was talking to them about, you know, what I was thinking about doing and what they, you know, recommend for me. And more on that is to be determined. But just being there at that time, in that moment, um, I was talking with them and I was saying, hey, you know, I have this idea. Um, I had the idea of being a high school coach. I have the idea of being, you know, being you, Landon. Um, you know, doing all the evaluation, essentially being the scout for the Syracuse football team. And I and I told him that the biggest thing and that the most kind of vulnerable thing that I had to say was like doing this show and them knowing about it. Um, it almost was as if I've been doing this whole thing to get their attention to say, hey, you know, I left and I I don't think I I would have done that knowing what I know now and wanting to come back into football. 
And they were like, hey, look, we get that, man. Um, but you know who you should really talk to is you should go upstairs to all the assistant coaches, you know, and just start talking to them, you know, and uh, go talk to Coach Martin. It's like, all right, cool. Go upstairs, talk to Coach Martin. Coach Martin was a high school football coach here in Houston, Texas, where I live now. And it was like unbelievable um, the amount of help he gave me, you know, gave me phone numbers, gave me his phone number, um, both of his cell phone numbers, which, by the way, the most power move in the world is having two cell phones, having a personal and a work cell phone. Um, one day that will be me. I can't wait. Um, and it was just like it was awesome. I mean, I went upstairs, I walked around and, it, and I saw Aaron Roberts of all people. Um, you know, he was in the coach's office talking to coach Lynch and like every coach, they were watching film. They're getting ready for meetings. They stopped what they were doing, said hello, got up, shook my hand. And I mean, the whole department, it was crazy. I mean, I'm telling you, I went in there, went into the equipment room, said, Hey, uh, I need a helmet. And I said, all right, take that one. And then you guys saw the video of me unboxing the helmet. Like, I, I really can't describe what it was like to be there because a part of me has always been feeling left out that I didn't get to finish my time at Syracuse because um, because of how hard I took my disqualification. And if you want to hear more about that, you can go back a ways, almost a year ago, um, just about how hard that was on me. And now to kind of go face that for the final time, and know that I can go back there whenever I want and say hello and feel loved and received again. Like it's the first time that I am suiting up and signing my scholarship that they want me, you know, to be there or not necessarily be there, but trumpet the cause and they're proud of me, you know, and all that stuff. It was like, it was, it was insane. It was like what, um, you know, what, what the coolest thing in the, you know, like receiving the coolest gift, um, ever. And for me now, it's like this opens up a whole new world of possibilities. It's like, you know, do do I want to go back? Do I do I not? You know, it's like there's there are openings at Syracuse University. You know, they may not be in football, but there could be an opportunity to go back and potentially explore options there. And that's like crazy to think about. You know, that something may open up. It's crazy that um, a head coach of a high school team in Houston is now the quarterback's coach at Syracuse University, and he gave me all these recommendations out here. You know, it's like, it, it really is awesome to know that there is, you know, um, you know, all that stuff is now just kind of like, you know, done with. So it's like really, really, really sick. Uh, the bad part was then having to go watch the team lose to Boston College by a million points and then subsequently the next day have our defensive coordinator fired. Um, and that was discussed at nauseum on the Q's Militia show, but that I guessed it on this week. But um, I'm, I'm proud of this podcast because I got to tell that story. Um, it was a really vulnerable spot for me to walk into just because I've, again... Uh, when I visited Syracuse before and going to games, it was only because I didn't say hi to anybody. All I did was I went to Michael's apartment. I saw him. I went to the game. I went home. That's all I did. I didn't do much else at all. This time, 
I went and faced all the tough things that I had to go see again, all the things that I've missed, all the experiences that I felt like I hadn't had, all the things that I did have. I had, I got to show around to my fiance and my sister and granted they had been there again before too, but we did nothing cause it was snowing. But this time we got to go out in the town. I got to see Syracuse. We went to breakfast at mother's cupboard. We got to see Sean. Uh, we got to go to this whack ass pizza place that if you didn't hear Q's militia, I might have to, to clip that if I, if possible, actually, no, I'm not going to, I'm just going to tell the story. So we go to Manoa, New York, which is just outside of Syracuse. That's this pizza place called Trappers 2. Sean's like, oh, it's low key. We'll get a couple pizzas. Pizza's on me and my wife. We're like, okay, great. We'll see you there. It's only, everything's only 10 minutes away in Syracuse. If you want to do something in Houston, Texas, it's two and a half hours away. If you want to do anything in LA, it's three and a half hours away, even if it's three miles. Okay, so we're like, great. 50 miles is 10 minutes away, and so is five miles away. This is awesome. I love it. Okay, so we'll, we'll do anything at this point. Um, there's a guy having a birthday party there that's turning 65, and he's like the lead guitarist of this band. This band is playing at Trappers 2. We can't hear a thing. Every man, woman, and child that this guy knows is at Trappers 2. And there's like two tables what felt like on the opposite side of the universe from each other that we're sitting at. So Sean and I aren't even really interacting. We're not even really hanging out. My sister is not down for the cause at all. Cause you think I don't know anybody. She doesn't know what Q's militia is. You know, it's like, she knows less about this other podcast than my own. My sister lives in Brooklyn. You know, she, she's cool. You know, she's, she's with it she's kind of she's a hipster in her own way but she's really cool and like she's really intimidating um to guys like me that are jocks so anyway long story short i'm just thinking like oh my god things are going horribly wrong the pizza was good but then like things just keep getting weirder i mean this this band plays for two hours um and i bought i was like okay this is gonna be really nice you know we're gonna um eat at this pizza place there's probably a bench i bought sean and i cigars to enjoy so that you know we could go do something and i could feel like i was included <laughs> in this whole situation and then if my fiance and sister wanted to grab a drink or something they could at the bar and then they could hang out you know with the, you know, whatever opposite happened um we ate the pizza and we got the hell out of town is what we did so, um, and then like the lead guitarist wife goes up and starts making out with a mid song at that moment. I was like, we're out of here. Um, so it was just like a wild ride and like everything with the flight getting out there and like everything just going like almost colossally wrong the first day and to have it turn around and, uh, work out so well was fantastic. Besides the fact that, um, I kind of had to like play, patrol for my spouse and sister but it, i mean it was okay because i mean i just felt weird because like everything that my sister did with us was like kind of not like involving her no nah, it wasn't like it wasn't not involving her she just had nothing to do with it like as a spouse for example my fiance played college softball and i 
now like i got to see her play quite a bit actually while she was in college and because of that if we went to one of her games and we have got to plenty of the games of her team afterward it's like okay that's cool i can get involved because since she's so into it i get to be so into it as a result so like that was that's understandable but my sister doesn't give a fuck about any of this you know she's just like i'm just here to see you and hang with you so that was uh, the toughest part about the whole situation, except for it wasn't really that bad. I just felt bad that she had to kind of be there and that it wasn't really inclusive and that this was all about me. But hey, when you are, again, the orange man, it's all about you that weekend. So maybe I shouldn't feel that bad, but I did as a result. And maybe that's just me being a good guy. Credit to me again. But I think the just the biggest thing in general that I kind of have is like a sweeping takeaway is just my, my un just yielding love of that university. And I think that, um, at this point I'm probably, if I were to try to get a degree from there, as far as undergrad goes, I'd probably be like one year away from getting that thing. So, I'm not so sure that, uh, like, one year's worth of classes. Granted, that price tag is about uh, 40 grand, so I'm not sure if that's the route. But then I'm like, well, you know, if I work for the university, then, you know, I get to go to master's school for free or grad school for free. Uh, So that's always, you know, tempting, you know, kind of as, like, a means to an end type of situation. But then it's like, well, if if I'm going, might as well do the whole thing. And the next thing I know, I'd rather be John Wildhack's replacement or whatever the case may be. So there's there's a lot to think about. Lot, lot, lot to think about there. I love the school and I'm just really proud to have been able to represent. And that's why I was like so high on the Orange Club in my meeting with them. And there is, like I said, there's kind of an area where that makes sense maybe in the future. But I think for right now uh, and where I'm at, I'm... I'm I'm just really curious to see where um you know where my higher power takes me and um you know and like I said who knows about the future of the show by no means am I committing to taking it away again I just want to let you guys know that so there's no uh, subtle freakouts there on anybody's accord um but you know like I said it's just I <clears throat> this is my like Jordan flu game this is my um, Terrell Davis migraine in the Super Bowl game. Couldn't see anything because I'm still a little sick. Um, this is my Dion Waiters overdose on edibles game um, as far <laughs> as the podcast goes. So a lot of this was thinking out loud, and I appreciate y'all listening. And, um, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm really excited about, um, you know, about where things can take me. And I was just, because of the fact that I felt so loved by the orange and it was as if I had never left in the first place already to begin with. And how, how can you not want to go back more when it feels like you never left? Because if you've never left, then that means you're here to stay. And I think that's what my heart kind of felt was like, my heart is always going to stay in orange. And that's why I say that 
you know, even though I didn't graduate from Syracuse University, I felt like I did that Friday, November 1st of 2019. And it was a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm proud of this podcast. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Tune in next week. I have on Chris Carlson. See ya.